here at the Money Ed Podcast, we are committed to helping spread the good word of financial literacy and money management to other young people. We had the pleasure of speaking with Miss Neil Godfrey, acclaimed author, educator, and financial literacy pioneer, who shared with us what she thinks the modern generation needs to know about managing their money. Ms. Godfrey, it's great to have you on the Money Ed Podcast. Could you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little about what got you started on your journey in teaching financial literacy? Well, Whitman's great to be here today. And obviously, we're talking about a subject that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, my name is Neil Godfrey, and I actually created the topic of teaching kids and young people about money in the 1980s while I was president of a bank in New York City. And that has been my passion for the last 40 years. And what I really do is empower kids and their families to take charge of their financial life and design the life that they want moving forward. That's what I do. When you published your first book, Money Doesn't Grow on Trees, A Parent's Guide to Raising Financially Responsible Children, people weren't really discussing the importance of childhood financial education. What inspired you to write about that? Well, actually, my own kids got me interested in financial literacy. When I was president of the First Woman's Bank uh, in 1985, I saw women be uncomfortable handling their own money. And that seemed ridiculous. So I did some research and I found out that it's because we were never taught anything about money when we were kids. So at that point in the 80s, I was a single mom of two little kids. So I went to look for books to teach them about money. And there were no books to teach kids about money. So my three-year-old daughter said, Mommy, rather than take us to all these bookstores, why don't you just write the book? So I sort of looked at her. I knew how to do big deals for my days in banking and how to run a bank. I didn't know how to write a book. So she saw that look on my face and she said, oh, you're afraid. And so the gauntlet was thrown and I said, no, I'm not afraid. So I figured out how to write a book. And actually I had to buy a publishing company to get my first book published because teaching kids about money was not a topic and the books, the book publishers did not want to take a risk on starting a brand new topic. So I also opened up the first children's bank at FAO Schwartz, the toy store in New York city and an Institute for youth entrepreneurship up in Harlem to bring at risk kids into the economy, to teach them about money. And if we fast forward to today, um, I do have a New York Times number one bestseller. I am working on my 29th book. I created the first money curricula for kids, for little ones, preschool, and I go up through high school. And also I work with other banks and governments and everybody to make sure that it's important to teach our kids about money. And what's wonderful is I'm not alone anymore. There are lots of people out there doing very good things. 
What pieces of financial knowledge do you think are the most important for people to understand before they turn 18? Well, the, the big thing is to understand all the financial vehicles that you're going to need in the real world to live. And what when I find um, kids sometimes going off to college, they don't quite understand that a credit card is not a magic piece of plastic that lets them do whatever they want. They need to learn to earn, save, spend, and share. Money is a social agreement. You don't do it alone. And you earn it with other people. You pay taxes because of other people. You um, share money in terms of giving to charity. That's a life skill that's important. And also, I find that the kids really don't understand how important their handling of money is. Their credit score will follow them. Their credit history will influence how much uh, access they're going to have to credit and actually how much it's going to cost them. They need to look at the future. Our Gen Z generation, as you know, is very dedicated to today. And I get that. That's wonderful. I think it's great. But you know what? You will get old. You will have to look at the future and every single thing that you do with money today will influence what you're doing in the future. And that's what I want kids to know. You mentioned the importance of knowing how to keep track of one's money. Do you have any tips for creating and sticking to a budget? Yes, I have something um, I call a, a no magic money log. When you're doing a budget, the biggest thing is you have to look back over how you have been spending. Don't just jump in and set up a budget. It's not going to work. And by the way, a budget is not an article of torture. People look at a budget, even the word, like having root canal without a, any anesthesia. It's not. It's your life plan. So the first thing you have to do is look back over what your spending is. Look at your debit card. Look at your credit card whatever that may be in terms of how your spending is. How have you been spending money for the last month? Go look at it. How many times did you buy the coffee or the water or the whatever that you're buying or the pizza? Well, I don't care what it is. I'm not going to put a value judgment on it. You talk about it. What is it? And did that bring you the joy you want? Or could you actually fill up water bottles and bring them with you? and not spend $10 a week on that, or the coffee, or the juice, or whatever. I don't care what it is. Um, so look back, number one. Then set your goals moving forward. What do you want? You want to buy a car? You want spending money in college? Again, I don't care what it is. You set the goals. Then you work out the budget. What are you going to earn to get there? And how long is it going to take you? And is it worth it? Is the fun part getting together with friends or being out at a restaurant and each plopping down 50 bucks? Or could you all get together at somebody's house, order in a pizza and, you know, watch a streaming movie? I mean, what is the point? Is it is the point getting together with friends or is it the point being out? You decide. Again, I don't care. You have to decide. You make the choice. You decide. And then start living your life that way.
and stand in that place and say to your friends, hey, look, instead of buying all sorts of expensive, stupid stuff for the holidays, we're all going to get together. We'll do a potluck. We'll each make something goofy and get together and, and have a party because that's what the point is. To me, anyway, it's the point. To me, when I get together with friends, it's not necessarily the restaurant. It's really the experience of being social. In your experience, is there anything that's especially likely to derail a budget? When you look at money and you look at spending, I think that most of our life, well, a lot of our life is spent on that impulse. And wow, this would be cool. I want that. Wow, this is cool. I want that. It's more stuff. I mean, in today's world, if you're putting, you know, friends together, you need reservations. You just don't, you know, with most restaurants or the ones I go to, or if you want to go to theater or someplace, there's not, you know, you have to have tickets. You just don't show up. So that gets to be more purposeful. But I think that a lot of the impulse buying because, oh my gosh, you know, you've got the internet with every single possible thing that you could want. And there's a tremendous amount of impulse. And I think that we confuse net worth with self-worth. So that means in terms of the amount of money that you have and that you're spending with really who you are, was that really a freaking waste of money that I just did? Would it be cooler if we set up a vacation where we all go away together or we all go have an experience together? I find that when I look back on life and I talk about stuff, it's not the stuff I bought. It's really the, the memories that I have. Wow, we were in South America and we saw a total eclipse. Wow. You know, travel is a priority for me. Um, and those are the memories that I want to build. But again, I'm not going to set that for somebody else. You guys have to decide, what do you want? And really sit down and soul search. What do I want? You mentioned how people can often waste a lot of money on impulsive purchasing. When I create a budget, it's sometimes hard for me to avoid thoughtless purchases that might throw me off my plan. Do you have a technique you use to avoid impulsive buying? Well, I mean, in, in terms of impulse buying, when you're talking about that, I don't, I'm not a psychologist. I can't, you know, I can't advise anybody on impulse buying. What I used to do in the old days in terms of impulse buying, I would have people um, pick what something that they thought they wanted to buy on impulse and then give them a one week rule of when they could go back if they were and, and buy it back to the store. Now you're talking about clicking through on, you know, a website. But what I used to do, which was interesting, in fact, um, I had worked on air with Oprah Winfrey for four and a half years, and I did 13 shows with Oprah. And I did an experiment with Oprah with, with one of her um, impulse buying people that she had on that she wanted me to work with. I took the person's credit cards and I froze them. And I said in a block of ice, a great big block of ice and put it in the freezer and said, you know what, what you're going to have to do is sit there and look at this ice 
melting to decide if that's what you really want. Because you can't put a block of ice in in the uh, microwave and melt it and you'll ruin the, the mag strip on the credit card anyway. So it was really interesting. And what the person said was, well, she sat there and watched it melting. I said to her, go look at your long-term goals. What are they? Well, it was to get the kids to college. It was have retirement. It was to buy a new car. And I said, okay, think about those things. And then come back on the show and tell me how you felt. And when they came back on the show, what they talked about was they didn't really want that new dress that she had found or the husband wanted a new lawnmower. It was really more important to get those kids to college. So every time an impulse comes up, look at it. You mentioned how important it is to focus on your long-term financial goals. How do you generally go about setting those financial goals? Well... I don't like when people give me the percentages. I don't like when someone says, oh, 30% should be saved for whatever. Um, it's very hard to talk to a Gen Z to say you should be saving for a retirement. Um, you know, when you're young, put a little bit away like that. And maybe it doesn't get used for retirement until you have your first job, but maybe it does get used for your first car. So what are the things that you want? That's all, you know. Sit down and decide. Do you want a car? I don't know. Are you going to have to pay for part of college? I don't know. Are you going to have to pay for expenses during college? I don't know. These are conversations that you need to have with your parents. The other thing is, can your parents afford a private school versus a public school? Those are conversations that need to be done early, early on. It breaks my heart when I've seen kids get into that Ivy League school or that you know, incredibly expensive school. And then the parents go, I can't afford it. Or the kid is going to then have $200,000 of debt. I'm an executive in residence at Columbia Graduate School of Business. And to get an MBA at Columbia Graduate School, where I'm also an innovation fellow and I teach innovation, uh, it costs about $200,000 to get an MBA at Columbia, at an Ivy League school, top school in the world. And it breaks my heart to see how many kids were told, this is wonderful, but you have to pay for that. That's a big price tag for a kid to start life with. This next question is for the prospective college students in the audience. What advice do you have for people who are going into college or another higher educational institution? When you're looking at college and financially preparing themselves, I think you have to design what you want. The biggest thing in college is kind of the time allocation. All of a sudden you're on your own. Nobody's saying to you, get up, go to sleep, do this. And now you've got that freedom. So I think it's a, it's a balance between the time and the money and the party and the freedom and all that stuff that you're going to have to face as a kid that you didn't have before. And it's like, whoa. So I think you're going to make mistakes. You're going to do goofy stuff, but you've got to get back on track. You know, is it a goal to get good grades, to graduate on time? Also, maybe you have to add to the money that needs to be done. I, you know, I don't know all those things, but the big thing is you need to have that conversation with your parents, a real conversation. If you could send a message to every single young person in the United States, 
what would you say? I would want to talk to them about designing the life they want and that they get to make those choices and never to confuse net worth with self-worth. Do not say, oh yeah, I want to be rich. That's not a goal. What do you want to wake up every morning and do? What's going to get you out of bed in the morning? And stick to it for a while. I find that your generation gets kind of bored pretty quickly. Stick there for a while. Decide what you're learning, what you like and what you don't like, and then keep designing. Look at life as a journey. It's not an end point. Ms. Godfrey, thank you so much for your insights today. Do you have any last words you'd like to leave our audience with before we wrap up today's episode? I think in terms of, of the big advice is just don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of money. Don't be afraid of learning. Learn as much as you can and just keep going. And you'll make mistakes and pick yourself up and, as I said, keep going. Ms. Godfrey, thank you for sharing your expertise and advice with our listeners today. If you'd like to learn more fantastic money tips, follow MoneyEd on Twitter at, at ed underscore podcast. Listen to the MoneyEd podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Amazon Alexa. Until next time, this is Whitman OTI from MoneyEd, signing off.